Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, we have Daniel Berdachevsky coming to us from San Diego, California. Dan is a faithful listener of the show, and we've been corresponding for quite some time. He shared quite a lot of information with me, and I thought you'd enjoy hearing his words. Dan is a poet, a musician, and he's written dozens of songs. He's a lifelong researcher of the paranormal. He says he has some surprising personal experience that he wants to share with us today. Dan is someone who's open-minded, but I'm grateful to say that he does have a healthy dose of skepticism. I always say it's important for us to find our own truths. So let's find out what he has to say today, shall we? Daniel Berdashevsky, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you, Sandra. It's an honor for me to be here, very much. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I mean, uh, we met, I think, on YouTube. I was, You were answering or leaving comments <laughs> under the videos, and I'm writing back, and then you wrote back, and then it just bloomed from yeah, there. Yeah, on YouTube of all places. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the magic of the Internet. You know, I thought, where, you know, where can I put these episodes? I'm like, I'm going to put them everywhere, you know, and, and there you were. So, first of all, thank mm-hmm. you for being such a loyal listener. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, your show is one of the best on the internet, no doubt. Oh, thank you for that. That means an awful lot. Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. And uh, and thank you for being so engaging and um, involved in, you know, each episode. And and I love it. I love corresponding with you. So, when you said you had some stories, I thought, yeah, I need to interview this guy. <laughs> And this is the first time we're talking voice to voice, which is great beyond the the words on YouTube. So I love that. I really do. So where does your story begin, Dan? I mean, you're out in California. Uh, are you always been a California boy? Oh no, oh no, no. I have no. not. I was born. I was born in 1988 in Moscow, in Russia. Wow. Okay. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we immigrated to, to the states. Uh, shortly thereafter, and I grew up in New York City in Brooklyn, and uh, I lived there until I was seven, and my mom and dad got divorced. Uh, My mom moved way out west to Tucson, Arizona, and uh, I moved with her with my brother, who was eight years older than me, and I lived with her in Tucson for about five years, and after that, it was pretty much chaotic. I kept moving back and forth between my dad in New York and my mom in Arizona multiple times. I went to two different high schools, two different middle schools in both states. And uh, my mom then later moved outside of Phoenix, Arizona to a town called Prescott. And then I lived there for two years. Uh, And then I moved back to New York a final time in 2008 to 2010. Then I moved uh, to uh, back to well, my mom was already in San Diego by then. Sorry, this is a little bit confusing. That's okay. So my mom moved to San Diego in 2003, and I was there off and on, moving back to New York, and we've been we've been in San Diego off and on since about 2003. But I've really been there since about 2006, and it's just a whole mess of confusing. I live there. I live there. I live there. I live there. Back and forth, back and forth between my dad and mom. Oh, hard as a kid, but somehow I'm sure it's made you the man you are today, but I can't imagine that. 
it was it was a lot, but it, it was it was kind of also adventurous in a way because I got to see it's two completely different places, New York and Arizona. <laughs> they don't even compare. So I, I I got to have a lot of unique friends and a lot of unique experiences in both places, mm-hmm. and San Diego too is another unique place. So, yeah. um, yeah, uh, basically. So when my mom moved from Tucson to this town called Prescott, uh, we rented out a ranch with six horses in the woods. And it was very, very, very nice. And the person there, the the person that actually owned a home, had a very unusual occupation. He was an urn maker. You know know what an urn is? Like to, to put asses in? Yes. So he was a, he was actually a professional urn maker. He had them all over the house, just sitting with ashes in them. Mm. It was a very strange place to be in. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's where, and uh, I forgot to mention that I did have a stepdad, and my mom was living with him for a long time, and he died in 2006. His name was Kurt. But his name is Kurt, sorry. His name's Kurt. He was living out with us in Prescott. And this during that period, they actually broke up for a while, and he moved out for about a year while we lived on that ranch. And that's basically where, where my first paranormal experiences began. Uh, I considered that house to be very active spiritually. It was, um, I was alone there. My mom worked nights as a, as a respiratory therapist in the hospital. So I was a 12-year-old kid alone in this house, and there was no internet, there was no TV, it was pitch black, this was in the middle of the woods, wow. and uh, yeah, and um, every night I had something going on over there, I've seen, I've heard people having conversations in my mom's room that weren't there, I would come in there, I would open the door, there would be nobody there, I heard footsteps on a regular basis, I saw shadows, I saw uh, faces appear on the windows, like foggy, literally like foggy faces just appear. So I was absolutely terrified. I said that I need something to block out this noise. Uh, So we had a TV, and it didn't have any cable or anything. So I would play movies there all night long to try to make it through the night. And... The movies were not good movies either, so it actually made it worse. I remember very clearly one of the movies that I had to play was Full Metal Jacket. I don't know if you're familiar with it, are you? Yeah. Yeah, so it was war and death, and so I I would play it just to see if I could block out the noise, and uh, honestly, it didn't help much, but that place was extremely, extremely active all kinds of stuff always going on there. And finally, we, we did move out, out of there after a year. And that was the, the age of 12 was when I first started experiencing what I would consider to be things from the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Um, and easy to be scared. Yeah. I, I, no, no question. I've talked to enough people who aren't scared now as an adult, but as a kid, you know, you don't expect things to be happening in yeah, faces to be showing up. No, 
No, you don't. You know, one of one of my areas of comfort that helped me make it through that time was uh, we we went to this Greek Orthodox church. So my mom is is Russian Orthodox by faith. My dad is Jewish, and um, I, I basically grew up in both a synagogue and the Orthodox Church, and also later a Baptist church. Wow! And a Presbyterian, and later a Presbyterian. It yes. <laughs> you have experienced so, a lot, my friend. Yes, <laughs> and that was my area. That was maybe the beginning stages of what I consider to be a relationship with God. Because I, I would go to that church and I would feel safe, comfortable, at peace. That was that was my refuge during that terrible house that we decided to stay in. But um. Yeah, we ended up moving out of there, and um, I'm trying to think of the timeline at the moment. That's okay. And, um, yeah, so my mom, after that, moved to San Diego, and I moved back to New York again. And then I moved back to San, then I moved to San Diego with my mom, and I sort of distanced, distanced myself at that time from... Uh, anything spiritual. I was a very angry teenager. I was extremely disillusioned with the world. I didn't like life at the time. I felt really kind of lost in the world. I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. And I, I, I was I was angry at God, and I sort of just fell into this um, really deep depression for years. Wow. For years and years, and I also got into a hard party lifestyle at a very young age. Very dangerous things. I was hanging out with really bad people, um, and um, I kind of had to stop everything at one point when I was about nineteen because I started getting health problems that were. I don't know, for lack of a better term, unexplained. The reason is because I would go to doctors and they couldn't figure out what to do with me. Basically, I had really, really elevated blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And it would get up to like 190 over 120. And they would prescribe me medications for blood pressure, but, and they didn't do anything. They didn't lower my blood pressure. They did electrocardiograms on my heart. They found nothing wrong with the heart. They did blood tests. The blood tests came out normal. And I went to three different doctors, and they literally did not know what to do. And I was very—I felt very sick. I felt very, very sick. But it was strange because all the tests came out normal, but I knew something was very, very wrong with me. Sure. So... Um, basically not knowing what to do, my mom tried to help me out and uh, being of the Orthodox faith, she took me to a monastery, uh, which she would visit on a regular basis. This particular monastery was a Greek monastery in Northern California. And, uh, she was hoping I would get healed there. And, um, thankfully she turned out that it turned out that she was correct. That's when I had what I considered to be my near-death experience. Um, what happened? We, yeah. So we went up there, 
and so my health wasn't improving. Um, starting to feel sick from the medication itself, and I stopped taking them altogether, and I wasn't getting better. We went to the monastery. First couple of days, nothing was going on. I just kind of went to the services, went to the dinners, um, and then one afternoon, I went to one of the rooms that I was staying in and uh, to take a nap. And I went in, laid in the bed, not even five minutes later, I, I was wide awake. I felt like I was, str like, I felt like I was struggling to crawl out of my body. It was a really surreal experience. I was laying there, and I felt something coming out of my chest. And I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on. Then I actually heard my heart stop beating very clearly. And that, at that moment, I popped out. Like I felt like I just popped out of my body, and I was on the ceiling. When I was on the ceiling, I was staring down at my body, although at the time, I didn't know that this was my body. Because you never, you don't ever see yourself from that perspective, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, uh, when you're looking down, I was staring at this thing, laying on the bed, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I felt incredibly well. I felt just like I was in a body, except I was uh, extremely perceptive, extremely light. And I started noticing some strange things. I felt like I was on that ceiling forever. Like, it was... It was an extremely long period of time. I was staring down myself. I noticed first that I had 360-degree vision. I was able to see all around me clearly. And when I would look at a place, so I, would, I, would, I was able to see through the walls. When I saw through the walls, I was able to see the monks uh, praying and chanting that were across the room, in a different room. But not only was I able to see them, I was able to feel everything that they were feeling all simultaneously. Wow. So uh, from uh, down to the deepest, minute detail of their breath, I was able to perceive everything that they were experiencing. Uh, and it was really strange. <laughs> so I finally figured out that that was me laying on the bed. And when that realization came, uh, it scared me. It terrified me. I, I was, I didn't know what to do. But when it came, I, I got sucked upward through the ceiling. And the only way I can describe it, you know how some people say it's a tunnel? Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it didn't really feel like a tunnel. I, imagine a giant vacuum cleaner just sucking you up. That's kind of how it felt like. Like, have you ever been on a roller coaster? Yeah, lots. And you go <laughs> down and you have that feeling when, when your stomach goes into your chest. Yes. Have you had that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what it felt like. Like I was pushing upwards really, really fast, being sucked up by like some, some force, some vacuum cleaner-like force. And uh, I went through the ceiling, and I was in the atmosphere now. I was above California, and it's at, I don't even know how to describe this accurately, but it, it kind of looked like SimCity. It didn't look real at all. Like, I was, I just came from some kind of a game that was being played. Hmm. Like, all these little trees and people walking around, it, it looked like some, 
little, like some kind of computer game or some simulation I was looking at. And I, I remember clearly seeing wildfires at that time. It was like 2007, 2008. California was having like seven, 800 wildfires mm-hmm. from lightning. And I was able to see them really clearly, clearly all burning throughout the state. Incredible. Um, so, yeah. So I did, first I was above California. I, if like, if I wanted to look at something, I just, I would zoom down. I would be there instantly. I would, I would see it. And not, not only would I see it, but I would perceive every aspect of it. The people walking around, the smells, the taste. And it was very brief. I would just kind of zoom down to a city. I don't remember which one. I would see people. Then I would zoom back out. Then I got further up in the atmosphere. Now I'm above the entire United States. Very briefly. Then I got sucked up again, third time, and now I'm above the entire planet. And the planet was... I don't even know how to describe it. It looked like it was alive. Like, I swear I could have saw it, like I saw it almost breathing. Like, it was a living conscious entity, and it was really obvious from that perspective that it was the planet itself was actually alive. Wow. Um, another brief moment, I just looked at that, zoomed out again. Now I see the galaxy. I see the Milky Way very briefly. Then I see the universe. So it's just kind of in a sequential order. Mm-hmm. The first California, then the U.S., then the world, then the galaxy, then the universe. And finally, I was enveloped by this, you know, proverbial white fog. Mm-hmm. It was it was a white fog, and uh, within the white fog, there were these extremely bright golden sparkles that shimmered extremely brightly. It, it literally looked like sparkles, like something you can imagine from a fairy tale, just sparkling off. And I enter inside this white fog, and I pretty much lost all memory, almost all memory of ever being on the earth. It's almost as if my experience there was like, um, you know how people say that it's like a dream? Mm-hmm. Like living life is like a dream and then the other realm is the real world? Yes. Yep. I, I wouldn't even say that that's even a remotely accurate description. I would say that it's... I just wish I can describe it. It was like... It was just such a minute insignificant little experience that I had on Earth that was just so short and temporary that I might as well have just forgotten it. Wow. And it didn't feel like, yeah, it was just, it was nothing. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's back home, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and um, it, was, it felt like, and you, you know how people say you feel like you're at home? Mm-hmm. I would go further and say that it felt more like I was there forever. It's way beyond just the feeling of being at home. It, that doesn't describe it very well. It's um, like I never left there. And I, to be honest, I think we're all kind of there. We just, we're perceiving ourselves as being here at the moment. Mm-hmm. But we never actually completely leave that realm. I don't think we do. Uh, and I became, got involved by this white fog. I did not see any any 
person, any like human form in this mm-hmm. fog, I saw the white light, which was, you know, <sighs> the best experience I've ever had. Um, like, basically, all the love that ever was, and all the love that ever will be, forever, for all of eternity, literally being poured onto you like a waterfall. Wow. And you're absorbed. I'm actually, I'm literally saying that's what it was. Like, a lot of people have diff- who have had similar experiences have difficulty describing mm-hmm. the Truly. feeling that they receive. But that's actually, that's as accurate of a description as I could possibly give. Everything that you will ever do for all of eternity has all been forgiven. There was no judgment of any kind whatsoever. Um, it was it was a, it was as if I was the last baby, in, living baby in the entire universe left alive. That's how much love there was. It was indescribable. Wow. Uh, I I really appreciate you trying to put it into words because. There's a couple common denominators of anybody that's had a near-death experience, and one is it's almost impossible to really put the feelings and the experiences into words. And and the other thing, Dan, if I can ask you, uh, how mm-hmm. well do you remember this? Um, like it was a couple like a couple hours ago. Yeah, see that I remember really it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it better than any other memory I've ever had in my life. And I've had some really crazy things happen. So. Yeah. And I, I ask that because, I mean, you've listened to the show, if not all mm-hmm. the episodes, most of them. Every single person that's yeah. having a near-death experience, doesn't matter if it was when they were three years old and they're 80 now, they have this retain the memory. It's crystal clear like it just happened. So yeah, I, that's oh, right. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. So, so where does it go from here? Wow. So where does it go? So mm-hmm. I'm in this white foggy place. I see no human forms. I see, I see balls of light. Okay. Um, they are different colors. Some are red, some are pink, some are blue. And I, at first I couldn't figure out what they were, but I realized that these were souls, that these were other consciousnesses merging with this, with this light merging with this fog together. And uh, when I started to perceive these other balls of light, I became one of them myself. So up on, up until this point, I uh, felt, perceived that I was in, in a body of some kind. I remember all the way up until this point, I had arms, I had legs, I had a body. And when I started to notice these balls of light, I became one of them. And we all started to merge with this, infinitum basically this infinitum never ended that we are not separate from in any way shape or form um after experiencing merging with the light i was taken to this this is the hardest thing to describe because i'm still years later i'm trying to figure out how to describe this um by one of the balls of light, which, by the way, was extremely familiar to me. It did not have any form. It was just a blue light. Mm -hmm. And it took me, and it showed me this wheel. It was like a rotating wheel, and this wheel contained the timeline of Earth, is what I perceived. So everything that ever happened from the beginning of the Earth 
to the end, all occurring simultaneously inside of this wheel. And I remember seeing Roman Empire. I remember seeing kings and queens, uh, battles, wars, drama, all these things occurring all simultaneously contained within this wheel. And I remember seeing, like, all these noble people, these kings, these these so-called important people on this earth that we think of as important people and how they were just completely irrelevant peons compared to the infinitum. Basically, um, they're trying to show me that this earth and this experience what I believe they're trying to show me is that we take things out of proportion. We take life too seriously. Hmm. And they're trying to show me, look, look at these kings and queens. They, they look so important when you lived on Earth. But look, they're irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. They think they had illusions of grandeur when, when they were on the Earth. They thought they were powerful. They thought they were this. They thought they were that. But... It's just a short little experience. That's all. That's all life is. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I'm still trying to define what I saw in that wheel. Very, very difficult to describe. But hopefully when I come back home for good, they'll, able, <laughs> they'll be able to give me a more accurate description. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's just it. You know, how well are we going to be able to describe it to everybody else, though, once we get there? Or we, will we even want to? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I remain up there, and the light spoke to me, and unfortunately, I don't remember what it said. Uh, but I, I can imagine it's probably something like, it's not your time, mm-hmm. it's not your time to come home or something, but I basically was really upset, I wanted to stay there. And I just zoomed back again, like the like a reverse vacuum cleaner, I Everything was in a sequential order again. I saw the universe. I saw the the galaxy. I saw the earth. And then, bam, slammed into my body. I woke up grass, like gasping for air. Like, I couldn't breathe. Like, I woke up like, like a freight train hit me. Like, somebody took a baseball bat and hit me on the chest. Wow. It was really awful, like, the next, like, ten minutes after that. That's, sure. That's that's the reason why I call it a near death experience because I I, I know that I died. Yeah. Like I am one hundred percent convinced I actually died. <clears throat> so two days later, uh all the health problems went away. Two days about later. About a week later. I'm sorry? Two days later the health problems went away? A few, a, a few days later. A few days later. Well still magnificent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh blood pressure normalized. I didn't have to take any medications, um, and that was over. I was totally normal after that. Wow, <laughs> Yeah. Well, so where should we go from here? Well, that's for you to say. I'm, I'm really intrigued, um, because that's not your only experience having... Well, new experience. You know, what I'm thinking of is how much you moved... Like you were okay with moving to different places, even different religions, and somehow mm-hmm. your consciousness is now 
able to move from this life to another or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I just, I find it very interesting that you're, yeah, you've yeah, traveled I, so I, much the real... literally and figuratively, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the real creator does I don't believe has a religion. Yeah. Um, but, um, however, having said that, um, I do believe that Jesus, or who we think of as Jesus Christ, is the, he's like the archetype of God. Basically, he is the form that God presents himself in, in order to communicate with whatever creation that he has created. So, if, basically, Jesus is the representative of God to the human form. Hmm. If there's a race of mantis aliens, then Jesus will come as a representative of mantis aliens in their form. I'm just giving as an example. Mm-hmm. Does that That's mean somebody from a different Jesus. different culture who maybe had never heard of Jesus? I mean, do you think there's different representations different based on different beliefs, so to speak? Uh, yeah, yeah, possibly. Curious. I mean, I. I yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, most likely, yeah, I'm sure if someone grew up, you know, a Muslim or a Buddhist or whatever, they're, go- they're going to see what they're most familiar with, I can imagine. But what I saw was, was familiar with, um, it's just, it's a, it's an overall familiar. There is no, I know that there's no being in the universe that is not familiar with this light. No being. Like this is, this is the 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 thing that binds everything together, basically. Mm. <sighs> really great, it, you know. So, so many people talk about the light, you know, and the, that is the common thread to all of that, you know, and the love, the unconditional, mm-hmm. powerful, powerful, like they can't even describe it. Feeling of love. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And this is, yeah, this is the the very, very, very strange part. Yeah, now, after Uh this, I know one of the emails and messages we've had going back and forth, you were talking about uh, different realms of the afterlife, if we want to call it that, or, you know, um, like tapping into different layers and meditation. And after that experience, did it have you start to try to get back to that world yourself or how did you end up starting to get into meditation and like creating your own out of body experiences or allowing them to happen is that the right question i want to ask you know what i'm getting at yeah you know actually after that experience i i did not have i kind of lost interest again for a few years uh i I actually, um, how do I say this? This is probably the reason why I had the dark experience because I, I lost, I fell back into um, kind of a depression. Well, I was kind of homesick. Like I, I really wanted to go back there and just stay. I, I just didn't like life when I came back. Yeah. I, I just, and I kind of, I don't know how to describe it. I actually didn't do anything after that experience initially at all. Yeah. Like I didn't really even pray. 
didn't do, didn't try to communicate with a higher power. I just kind of fell back into my own ways for a few years after that. Mm -hmm. And then I, something happened to me the last couple of years to where I just sort of exploded in awareness, I would say. Like something happened to me. I, I, I mean, I suppose I had some kind of awakening. But even after that experience, I was still kind of asleep, which is really odd. But maybe it just took time for me to really absorb it and to really comprehend it. And maybe I was still kind of too young to really dig deep into these subjects. And maybe I just kind of wanted to continue being free from what I what I consider to be heavy things. But mm. in reality... Yeah. In reality, I was living the heavy things, and now getting into the spirituality. This is this is the lighter thing. This is the the freer life, the, the better life. What I consider to be. Yeah, you know, Dan. So, I, don't, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm just thinking. I'm remembering a lot of these conversations that I've had with people from not yeah. having a near death experience myself. You know, I always had this image mm. that when people have one, that it's all of a sudden they. I don't want to say they become a holy roller, but their lives shift and they want to impact the earth and all this stuff. And and it's not that way. Most people have some kind of a depression. Some people have turned to drugs and alcohol. So there's been anger, you know, of having to kind of come back here as opposed to where they were. You know, I think it could be yeah. some form of grief. And then eventually things shift and then ultimately these people that I've found so far, you know, do want to learn more, do want to contribute to society in whichever way. Um, but it's interesting. So I wouldn't be too hard on yourself because I actually think that might be a normal part of the evolution of having one of these experiences. I'm not sure, but yours is not the first story I've heard like that. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, no, I would definitely describe it as like a grieving process because mm -hmm. this is, life here is, is really difficult, even if you supposedly have an easy life. I mean, I don't, it's it's really not, even if you're a wealthy person and you have all the comfort that you can imagine, life on Earth just isn't easy no. for anybody, I don't <laughs> So, it's, yeah, and... um and you get but, a taste of something else, being light, being healthy, yeah. having no body, having all this unconditional love, you know. Limit, yeah, limitless, too. Yeah, 360-degree vision. Uh, yeah. I, you know, like, that's all awesome, seeing the universe, and then, bam, here you are, you know, loaded with pain and all the same old, same old, you know, crud of being right. human. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So, so should I continue yes, from you there should. on? Or? Yes, you should. This is, this is when things get strange, and the reason I say that is because when I felt no judgment whatsoever, I had this experience of a dark realm, which actually I didn't really feel any judgment there either. Hmm. So let me explain. Okay. Um, that was something um, I sort of gotten. What I believe is is that if you accumulate enough 
filth inside of yourself, enough darkness, that's what you're going to steer yourself towards um, temporarily. Like-minded. But keep in mind that I believe that both light and darkness are aspects of God. There isn't anything that separates God from anything else. God is all that is, including all of the darkness, all of the grotesque things. That is still all God. I mean, I don't care what anyone says. It is, because there's nothing that can be outside of him. So I've reached the point. So after that, I just kind of got back into life, working a lot and trying to go to college and had tons of pressure on myself. I was taking a lot of classes. I was really, really stressed out. And uh, just really, I didn't know what to do with my life. I, like, I was really pressured into some sort of a career path by my dad and things like that. And I just had, I had no connection with anything. Like, I didn't like anything in school. And I fell back really deep, mm-hmm. really deep into depression, into party lifestyle again, and um, that's when I had this dark experience. So I was around the age 22. Yeah, I'd say I was about 22. So the first one was when I was 19, and this one was when I was about 22. And again, kind of a similar situation. I'm in my dad's house in Brooklyn, and I go... To lay down on the bed, it's not bedtime, it's not night. I just go lay lay down on the bed to take a rest. And again, not even five minutes later, I feel myself trying to struggle to crawl out of my body, except from that, the first time it was out of my chest. And this time it was through my back. So I crawl down and I enter pitch black pitch black. You can't see a thing. There's absolutely nothing going on. I don't see anyone. But it was like the blackest black you could possibly imagine. And then this is uh, where it gets a little difficult, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just bear with me here. Okay. Okay. Um, We're all adults. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I started seeing people uh, people surround me these people, um, they were wearing these brown robes that were really dirty and brown. They had holes in them. Their faces looked like they were in a grave for two weeks. They, they looked really awful. I saw people with worms coming out of their mouths. I saw people um, screaming, yelling, and shouting as loud as they possibly can. And they started to surround me. And keep in mind, I'm in pitch darkness. However, I could see them as clear as day, even inside this pitch darkness. And they were running around, not touching each other, not hurting each other. They were screaming at themselves. They were just yelling and screaming at themselves. And it was just absolute and total chaos. I couldn't, like, I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And then they approached me. 
when they approached me, they started shouting these obscenities at me like that, that really got down to the core of who I was. These really, really hurtful things. They started grabbing at me. They started biting at me. They took me down to the ground. Um, and they took all the energy out of me they possibly could. And once they saw I had nothing left in me, they left, they ran away. And this, this black mass, this dark being came up to me and, uh, picked me up and sort of vomited on my face. And, um, after that, I came to again inside my body and, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty that, awful. I'm sorry? That's pretty yeah. awful. Yeah, it was pretty awful. However, I, I understand what it was now after all these years. What? I now consider it to be like a... Um, are you familiar with what a vision quest is that the Native Americans used to do? I think I, so. Explain so it a little bit. Yeah. So a vision quest is kind of a coming of age mm -hmm. story in, in Indian traditions when uh, a young teenager would go out and they would have no water, no food for days, and they would spend in the desert attempting to communicate with spirits to kind of find out who they are. And basically... I perceive hell, the hellish experience as something like a um, a spiritual cleansing. It's not a place where you're where you go judged and you're punished. But the the problem is is that if you accumulate within yourself so much darkness and, and hatred and filth within the core of your being, it, you kind of have to have that purged from you. And that, that's what I felt this was. It was a, pro, a purging process, meaning that it was, it was something that was tremendously helpful. That this realm exists in order to help people, not to punish them. In order to kind of awaken them from their own inner demons, from their own egos. So by no means do I think that this, this was some sort of an eternal punishment where you get smacked around forever. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a necessary process for our spiritual evolution um, to come out of that. And I don't know. That's what I think it was. Maybe I, maybe it's something that I created. I, it's it's really really hard to tell, Sandra. I don't know. No, it's okay. I'm just going through the list of episodes. Anybody who wants to see a list of my episodes, go to wedontdieradio.com. But there was a gentleman I spoke to who's now a minister, Howard Storm is his name. And oh, Howard Storm. I know who that is. Yeah, and yeah. then also Dr. Rajiv Parti, uh, anesthesiologist. Mm -hmm. And they both told their stories, their near-death experiences, and they both also had a very dark experience and mm -hmm. same kind of thing um whatever the explanation it wasn't i mean it was something for themselves that actually uh they 
decided to turn to the light and it was more of like they both felt it was a representative of their past their way of being their ego all that stuff so i don't what the actual answer is i think is unique to each human being but it's it not, is unique i believe yeah. that that every single person has a unique experience um regard regardless of whether it's a near-death experience or I believe that God approaches each individual in a unique way, mm-hmm. in their own personal way. Mm-hmm. So if this is what Howard Storm and I had to go through at that current time, mm-hmm. then that that was necessary for us to experience in order to purge. And to be honest, when I came back from that, I I wasn't re- I felt kind of lighter, which was the strange part about it. I did I didn't feel worse i felt better like i was cleansed yes it was bizarre yeah and and it's left Um, you in a better place because of it ultimately that's that's the whole point Mm -hmm. for for all of us for everyone is to there, there isn't any single person that god is just going to discard Everyone is loved equally. There is no one person better than the other because we're all part of God. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets help in whatever unique way they need it. And if they have to go through a purging process, if they have to go through a vision quest, if they have to go to rehab, you know, whatever it is to help them get back to God. What, what I believe is, is that God created Earth in order for Earth to go back to Heaven, I think that's the ultimate goal of evolution, of spiritual evolution. Mm. And whatever needs to happen to make that process um, go more smoothly for the world, that's what's going to happen, and that's, that's what people are going to experience. Yeah, and I hear so many people hit their deepest, darkest times in their life, really suffering, mm-hmm some really heavy times of grief some of those worst moments are what transform us or have the potential to transform us uh spiritually so and when you're in the midst of it nothing feels worse and there's no explanation but i tell you i've talked to enough people that looking back on their life had some of those things not happened they wouldn't be where they are today so that leaves me that's some- exactly right yeah, but yeah, now, that's exactly right. Dan, now you've written a lot. Uh, you're very creative. You uh, can you talk a little bit about um, the information that now flows through you, if that's the right way of saying it? Um, do you meditate? Do you have like divine knowledge that comes to you? I mean, you you sent me something about the different realms, and I mean, it just it feels like some of the things you've written are kind of divinely written, you know, I mean, there's just some real... Really? You think so? Well, uh, thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I do. I mean, it just it just doesn't seem like normal conversation that two people would have. I mean, it's just like, where did he get this information? You know, I just thought, that's really incredible. How is it right. that you think these things are coming through you? I mean, do you, do you sit to meditate and then all of a sudden great thoughts come to you and you type them out? I mean, what is... What's, the process, uh, to be honest, it's hard for me. I wouldn't exactly call it meditation, and I wouldn't exactly call it prayer either. It's something in between the two. Um, and I just have I have a conversation. I sit there, and I 
kind of, I clear my mind. I, I make sure that I feel like I'm hearing God clearly. And I ask him something, and he just shows me. Like, I've literally had, so there's a big difference between conjuring up something and imagining something in your mind, right? Right. This is different. I'm sitting there, I ask him something, and it just comes to me like that instantly. If it's, a, it's, if it's an image, it's an image that comes to my mind. If it's an idea, it just comes to me. It's seemingly completely out of nowhere. It's really cool. It's really crazy. Like, I, I never get tired of it. I, I, like, I can't go a day without it, like, the last year or so, to be honest. It's, it's great. <laughs> That's a great. Now, and, is it uh, something you do any time of the day, or is it before you go to bed, or when you wake up in the morning? Does your mind have to be in a slow? Or can you just say, you know, go to your room or wherever and, and quiet your well, mind and I do it, ask a question? Oh, no, I do it at work. I do it at work all the time. <laughs> Uh, anywhere, and, and when I'm about to sleep, when I'm sitting at work, when I'm pretty much any time of day. I mean, preferably, yes. I would, I would like to have. It's best to be in a quiet space mm-hmm. with nothing bothering you. But, but if not, uh, you're still able been, to. Yeah, and you know, I've had quite a number of con- uh, confirmations, like a real world confirmations, like what I would. Like, I, I can't, like, present evidence, you know, but to me, these were real confirmations that, that I was speaking with something supernatural. And if you like, I'll, I can go over a couple. Some of them are yes. kind of silly. Ah, yeah. bring them on. It, I think this is really interesting because it's, I mean, you're a special person as we all are, but it just gives me hope that, you know, we're all, I think we're all having souls having a human experience. And I love to hear different things that are possible. You know, I, my guest just before you, uh, Shanna Lee Gibson, uh, was talking about the book Conversations with God. And I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. that, but, you know, it was a guy who was, oh, like, yeah. yeah, Neil Donald Walsh and, mm-hmm. and some of the, unbelievable wisdom that flew that flowed through his fingertips onto a yellow legal pad i mean he's got i mean three books worth and you know no one can tell me that this guy was just as inspiring himself that he just happened to write all this i mean some of the stuff he couldn't have known you know so there's there's something coming through and to inspire that it's you know it's possible you know yeah Absolutely, yes. This this information is coming from somewhere, and I believe that our brains are a conduit to receive information uh, from that space-time is a total illusion. And if you really, I think, train yourself, you could receive any information that you wish. I uh, I have had very clear visions of the future, of possible, uh, let me be clear, possible futures. Because all all futures exist simultaneously, so I've had visions of the Earth twenty thousand years from now. Uh, I've seen the year two thousand three hundred, and I've also seen the recent future, and I've seen around the year twenty one hundred as well. Wow. <laughs> Pretty cool. And like you said, they're possible futures, though, right? Nothing. Uh, po- possible futures because every single moment uh, the future changes. Uh, Nothing is set in stone. I mean, that's, uh, I I don't, I'm skeptical of various prophets that, you know, claim dates on on this day, this is going to happen on that day. I'm like, no, 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 listen. Every single moment the the timeline shifts 
between something else and, and basically anything could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the reality we live in. But I did ask for the most likely possible future, so mm-hmm. I believe that's what I was shown. But uh, before I get into that, if, if of course you want me to, but I want to just talk about like the silly things that I would say are confirmations. So I'm not so silly. Um, yeah, I'd love just to the hear other them. Day, sure. Yeah, just the other day, um, uh, somebody got fired from. Uh, so there's this guy that works on my days off at work, and he got fired, and I was supposed to cover a shift today and tomorrow. And I remembered our conversation. So I'm like, no way. There's no way I'm coming into work. And so I was sitting there, like, on a Monday. I think it was on a Monday. And God just came through to me with this information, like, look, you're not going to have to come into work Thursday or Friday. And I'm like, yeah, right, sure. Give me a break. He's like, no, listen, he's not going to get fired, and you're not going to have to come into work. So I get a call yesterday. They didn't fire him, and I don't have to come into work Thursday and Friday. <laughs> so, That's great. Like a little, yeah, little stuff like that. Um, some some things more serious. Um, very clearly, I was in a prayer in a meditative prayer state. This was about a year ago. Um, I was. Not, I was just kind of in a clear state. I wasn't receiving any information as of yet. And uh, completely out of nowhere, I see Indonesia. I see the country of Indonesia. And God tells me today there's going to be an earthquake there at that, at that same location that the 2004 earthquake occurred. And I'm like, really? I basically, I asked him, why are you telling me this out of nowhere? And he's like, I just wanted to let you know there's going to be an earthquake there today. Three hours later, there was an earthquake at that exact location that I saw, and 110 people died. Wow. So, yeah, that's another sort of confirmation. I've had um, other things, such as um, I'm really interested in different types of, you know, beings, extraterrestrials and stuff. So I believe there exists races of bird-like humanoids. Okay, so... I asked them if if bird-like humanoids do exist. I asked God, where in space do they live? Can you give me a star, um, a constellation, a location? He tells me Aquila. And I've never heard of this before. I'm like, I kept thinking Achilles' heel. What is Aquila? I I don't know what this is. Mm -hmm. And I look up Aquila, and Aquila is the name of a constellation. So it's something that I never knew before, information that I received. So he said, Aquila and Pegasus, that's where the bird humanoids live. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I was having this conversation with someone the other day. I mean, the the billions of planets that are out in this universe and as far as it reaches, mm-hmm. it's pretty shallow-minded to think, you know, we're it. This is it. You know, we're the only ones. You know, so I, although I don't get into too much talk about uh, extraterrestrial beings and all that stuff, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, if we can be here, so can others, you know, <laughs> there's stuff possible, you know, there really is. So that's, well, that's pretty cool. I would go even further, Sandra, and say not only do they exist, but 
everything that you could possibly comprehend in the infinite exists, meaning everything that you could possibly imagine that ever was and ever will be has already been created. So it goes way beyond just extraterrestrials existing. Um, and any ridiculous thing, no matter how absurd that you can conjure up in your mind, it exists somewhere in the multiverse at some form. I guarantee you that it does. Wow. You know, Dan, <laughs> because, I want to... Oh, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I'm just excited. No, go ahead. Well, knowing <laughs> that you're artistic, that you're a poet mm-hmm. and you write music... Um, do you think some of that is filtered through your asking and the songs coming to you or the poetry coming to you? Absolutely. 100%. Um, every time I think of new music, it comes completely out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, every time I've written a song, I don't know how I came up with the words. They just come to me. I just write them almost like automatic writing and they're just done. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, it, it includes most of the music that I've made. Like, I don't even have to think about it. I come, I sit down, I play the guitar, I start something, and I and it, it just creates on its own almost. It's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I'm so inspired. Do you know who Walter Russell was? You ever hear that name? Uh, it sounds sort of familiar. Yeah, I think I need to give you a little homework. Not that you need to take this homework. But there's a man uh, who died, I think he died around 1966, 1965. His name was Walter mm-hmm. Russell. And in his mm-hmm. lifetime, he was a scientist, a poet, an artist, an inventor, uh, an engineer. Oh, as a young boy, he got diagnosed like he was stupid, right? And he, right. he, I think what happened to him was something like he went out into nature as a little boy and this white light kind of appeared and he, he just felt like he saw God. And so basically, bottom line, it's fast forward because he died, I think, in his 70s. But he did, he was a genius. He did more in his life in all kinds of different fields, you know, not just an art, you know, but in math and science and language and, you know, creating uh, buildings and, I mean, really great. I mean, he would even go into the White House and do a sculpt, uh, uh, sculpture of a presidential bust or a, an unbelievably great painting. But he said, and it just reminds me of you, that he'd clear his mind and he'd ask God the question and the answer mm-hmm. would show up. So, I mean, he wrote music. I mean, all of it. So you just sound to me like what you're saying is something that he yeah. had done. And anybody who looks up uh, Walter Russell, you know, you can uh, find him. I am de- I am definitely going to look him up now. Thank you. For yeah, me. no, no problem. And then a friend of mine um, who owns... Well, he teaches about dousing, you know, finding the underground streams and circuits of uh, energy and things. He's got the website dowsers.com. His name is Joey Korn, K-O-R-N. But he is an expert on Walter Russell. And on his website, uh, he sells and has available every single Walter Russell book that's 
you, you can't find anywhere else. But I mean, I just think if you do a little research or anybody who's interested in, in this kind of stuff, uh, Walter right. Russell, uh, I mean, he, it, and I've read, a, there's a couple of real short books um, from him and they're easy reads, but it, it's mind blowing. But that's just what you do. I mean, he'll ask, mm-hmm. he'll quiet his mind and the stuff shows up. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, just taking them practice and a commitment and faith and developing a relationship. But I, I am absolutely mind blown at what he's created in one lifetime. So it sounds like you're tapping into the same source. Well, when I wrote the, I, speaking of which, I didn't really get into this very much uh, about the sixteen dimensions. Yeah, I almost wrote that as if automatic writing. Basically, it came in like downloads of information, mm-hmm. and I just wrote it down really qu- uh, quickly on the back of a paper, then I made sure to type it out so I would save it. And it was really strange. Like, I don't, I, I don't think that it's just some, you know, something I'm just conjuring up inside of my mind. I, I can't think of something like that. I, I just, I, I can't do it on my own. Like, I don't feel like I can. Like, it's some kind of information coming from somewhere yeah. that I'm receiving. And, well, well, um, can you give us a little overview of what you mean by the 16 dimensions? Not that we have to get into each one, because our time is already oh, actually right. up. But we can keep talking a little bit longer if you're up for it. But, um, yeah, what do you mean oh, by 16 oh, no, dimensions? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I do. I would like to get into them. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this is something that I believe every person intuitively knows inside themselves, meaning every single person has kind of, I don't know whether it's ingrained in their psyche, it's ingrained in their DNA. Every person knows the process of spiritual evolution. It's a universal process. It doesn't have to play out exactly like in those 16 dimensions. There's there's countless ways in which it can occur, but basically the spirit evolves from, um, I don't know, something that is unconscious to something that is conscious. It it basically is awareness that continuously grows and grows and grows until you're essentially, you essentially have the same awareness as God does. Basically, to make it simple, so say, for example, at our level of consciousness right now, we're drops of water in the ocean, right? Okay, I'm just laughing because just to make it simple, I thought, how in the heck could you make it simple? So, sorry for laughing. <laughs> just no, like, no, what is he going to say? Okay, so we're drops of water. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make this as simple as I can. Yeah, no, so, okay. imagine us right now at this level of awareness as drops of water in an ocean, okay? Uh, let's jump forward for a minute to a six-dimensional being. A six-dimensional being is not a drop of water in the ocean. It is a massive pool of water in awareness. Say, for example, the whole ocean is God. One drop of ocean is us individuated. A massive pool of water is a more consciously aware being. If you could go even bigger, a ninth-dimensional being is the entire Pacific Ocean, for example, dimensional being is both the Pacific and Atlantic combined together as compared to their awareness. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say here? I do. I do. Okay. So 
you grow in awareness. So basically, possibly start off as an amoeba, a single-celled organism, a bacteria, I don't know, mm-hmm. um, move, move into a um, instinctual species like a monkey, a beast, uh, an alligator, whatever, an unconscious being essentially. Then you become self-aware. That is the third dimension. Third dimension is self-awareness. The fourth dimension goes beyond just self-awareness. Now you're kind of aligning your heart with with the beings around you. Eventually you reach a point where the entire planet, the entire race of beings becomes like one mega beam, basically, like a collective. So you're, the in, one person's awareness becomes the awareness of the entire world. And, and all the other awareness, like they're, they fuse into one another. And then it, it grows and grows bigger, and then the whole galaxy. So you're aware, your awareness grows into the entire galaxy, and then bigger and bigger, and eventually you're, you're so aware that you have the same awareness as that of God. But you'll never become God because God is, but you'll have the same awareness that God does. It's really complicated, I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's quite all right. I, you know, this just opens up great mm-hmm. stimulation of the brain and curiosity and exploration. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm getting this vision, you know, you're talking about water, but just about light. And if you can imagine God being the this all eternal, great, big, massive light, you know, and we can all be parts of the light, but we'll never be the light, you know, the, you know, the main. Uh, but we, we can have the same awareness mm-hmm. as it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we're experiencing ourselves as kind of indi- individuated units of consciousness at this current moment. Yes, we are. But, but thousands of years from now, not even that long, actually, we're going to merge with other, other people into one one unified consciousness and it's going to expand from there. We're going to merge from just being our world to other worlds and it's just going to keep growing and growing from there. And I think that's how the process works and it's an infinite process. Uh, But I believe the universe is born. It grows in awareness of itself. Then there's a way it explodes again forever. And I, I struggle with this question with God. I asked him, when was the beginning of creation? And he would always just say, reply to me, which beginning? Because there's an infinite number of beginnings. <laughs> yeah, and I think living here in our current bodies and this realm, you know, we're asking yeah. questions that maybe we, uh, our brains aren't equipped for oh, the answers. Yeah. You know, this, I know. I mean, even I, science I is trying to prove stuff that they can't, right? Because they don't have the equipment to explain it, both in outer space and getting down to the quantum level. You know, so the but the questions are the are the good thing, the the journey, the uh, adventure into it all. It's mind boggling. Yeah, it's mind boggling, and I, I kind of purposely try to. <laughs> Just, just kind of for fun, just try to ask him these absurdly difficult questions. Oh, uh, basically, the only answer that I've come up with is that 
there was never a beginning to anything. This mm. everything has always existed forever. Um, this 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 scenario. That's why there's an infinite number of parallel Earths because infinity exists because it can. It's really complicated. I'm oh, sorry. Oh yeah, I'm no, kind of it's all right. It's all right. No problem. Yeah, did <laughs> you ever... Do you understand what I'm trying to say, though? Yeah, yes and no, I get it. Did you ever see the movie, yeah. What What the Bleep Do We Know? I might have. Oh, my gosh. I might have. What, yeah, What the Bleep Do We Know came out, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. But it's it's a study talking to a whole bunch of these quantum physicists and uh, about the nature of reality and even, I mean, you know, people looking at outer space, about inner space. And it is mind-boggling through science how little we know, yeah. but it's fascinating. I mean, it is fascinating. I mean, even something as simple of, as if we go into, if we look at our hands, and yeah, we're made up of cells, and inside the cells there's molecules and there's atoms, you know, but if we put a teeny tiny camera into like one of our atoms it it would just show it wouldn't show anything it'd be invisible you know it'd be just vibrating space so it, it's just showing how we are all made up of energy but with the illusion that we have hands and fingernails and skin and all this but down to our tiniest particle there's nothing there so i mean this movie what the bleep do we know is very entertaining but it's also very thought-provoking to get us outside of thinking that everything we see touch smell hear taste is real you know that uh anyways it's cool it's very 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 cool stuff if, if you're interested i think i'm gonna check out this yeah check out it might this be movie. on youtube i i don't even know if it's on netflix but uh it's so good but really it's thought stimulating because it's so easy for us to be skeptical and not that that's a bad thing but to say mm -hmm. something is impossible uh yeah, you can't say that anymore. I mean, it's just everything is possible. But I, what I really like about you, Dan, is that you're going after it. You continue to ask. And, um, oh, I just found this quote from Carl Jung that says, I shall not commit the fashionable stupidity of regarding everything I cannot explain as fraud. You know. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's that super, is an awesome quote. Yeah, I'll text yeah, I've you. read a few Carl Jung books myself. I'm familiar with them. Yeah, 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 that's good. But anyways, Dan, I we, I'm gonna draw this episode close to an end here, uh, just because of the time. Want to respect people's time, right? Yeah. But do you have first of all? Are you writing a book? Are you going to write something that we can all learn and and uh, or could you if you're not haven't started one? Because um, I think that this these inquiries you have are would be good for all of us to be able to enjoy as well. Can I plant that seed? Yeah. I think that's, that's probably a very good idea. I did start writing a book a few years back, and I either lost the computer or something happened, but I got like 60 pages into it, and it was, and it was gone. But I think that that is a good idea. You know, I should probably consider that. Mm -hmm. I just... Uh, you keep notes, though? You, but do you keep notes on some of these questions you ask? I do, yeah. I I really, I, I, ask, I ask them more than once, usually. Yeah. So it's, it's a process. Like, questions like these take weeks and weeks and months and months to really try to comprehend. Yeah. 
uh, and even then, it's you're not going to really comprehend it. <laughs> no, but but it's good. But also for anyone listening to know that you too can start one of these dialogues, right. and uh, trust some of the information that's coming through because you know some things will sound like okay, it's my mind doing this, but then some things will mm-hmm. come that you'll say, I couldn't have made this up. This doesn't sound like me. And um, and I do believe we're each on our own individual journey. So what might be a truth for me or for Dan may not be for you, but who knows? Uh, so, you know, yeah. the, but the truth, I think, lies within each one of us. And, uh, you know, we're here to remember who we are and that we can we can access it, you know. That's that's kind of one of the main things that I wanted to mention is that people keep looking outside themselves for answers, but the best journey is within. I mean, it sounds like I know many people have said this before, but it's the truth, and the truth is always simple. Yes. Just, and not only that, but I would, I would want to say that God, or our Creator, the undefined, the unexplained infinite really wants to have a relationship with us. I am absolutely convinced that he wants everyone to talk to him. This is, that's the way that you will know who you are is to connect with the infinite. That's kind of the main thing, like the number one encouraging thing that if I could say on this show, Sandra, Mm -hmm. is that, Everyone should can have a relationship with God. Everybody. Yeah. Pretty powerful closing Hello? words. I'm here. Hopefully yeah. Here. Yeah, pretty, pretty powerful. And it's whoever our representation of God is. It doesn't have to be the guy with the white beard <laughs> sitting on his throne. But that, well, that's, that's not what I saw. I mean, that's, that's not, I didn't see any beards, any figures. No, so yeah. But who that who that is for you, and uh, you know, or what that power is, whether it's the light, whether whatever that may be, but um, that that higher source, that uh, yeah, I think it's great. Now, Dan, the way I met you was on YouTube uh, in the comment section. Um, yeah, I don't want you to have to spill the beans what your email address is, but is it fair enough to say that if people listen to your, or if people want to get in touch with you, if they respond under our YouTube episode right now, that you'll write them back, or they, that's a good way to contact you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to get into the comment section, yeah. Yes. Has any <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, also, uh, I have this very kind of like amateurish uh, YouTube channel. Okay. Where I don't have any... Um, like I have professionally recorded music as well, but I play some stuff on the guitar if they want to check it out. Yeah, it's called Dan the Clever. It's called Dan the Clever Man. Dan the Clever Man. <laughs> okay, on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. On YouTube, yeah. Right. But I don't have a Facebook, yeah. So. That's okay. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, no worries about that. But I do encourage anybody, even if you're listening right now on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else, Podbean, wherever else you find this. Uh, if you can make your way even to my website, we don't die radio.com and click on this episode with Daniel Berdachevsky, it'll take you to the YouTube page, uh, the YouTube 
um, video, which is really the audio, and just look in the comment section beneath and, you know, add your comment. That's a great way to get in touch with Dan. And I also have a link in that description to Dan the Clever Man. And Dan, it's been great talking to you. I'm so grateful that we found each other on on YouTube and here we are today because I think it's really been a great conversation, really thought-provoking. Thank you. Me as well. I'm really honored and grateful that you have me on your show, Sandra. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And if anybody else is listening and thinking, geez, that could never be me, but I have a great story to tell. You know, we don't have to spend an hour together, but I, I'm thinking about putting together an episode that some shorter stories, you know, have two, three, four guests, depending on how long it is, and putting them all in together for an episode. But if you have good stories to share why you believe life after death is real, uh, and that our lives matter, and that we're more powerful than we think we are, whatever that is, um, I'd love to hear it. So again, you can go to wedontdieradio.com and click on Contact Sandra and send me an email and we can talk you know it's as easy as like I'm calling Dan right now on his cell phone so it could be on Skype it could be on cell phone uh, and you know your words do matter long ago before I wrote my book I thought no one will want to hear what I have to say and I tell you uh, we all have this negative voice inside of us that's not our champion because guess what happened um, not only have people wanted to hear what I have to say but from this radio show, from my book, there's been suicides avoided, there's been grief that's helped, there's been people finding their life's purposes, there's been uh, romances started from connections with listeners, I mean, there's all kinds of things, you know, so your your words do matter. So, Dan, once again, thank you for being our guest. Uh, I've had so much fun. <laughs> all right, and thank you. All right, I'll talk to you later. Don't hang up. Hang on, Dan, don't hang up. I just okay, want to, okay. I just okay. want to thank our <laughs> listener for taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Again, our home base is wedontdieradio.com. If you are somebody experiencing the pain of grief, I welcome you to join our Insiders Club. And there's a free audio called How to Survive Grief that I've got there. And this coming September, if you want to meet me and some of some great like-minded people in the realm of life after death, I'll be one of many speakers at the Afterlife Symposium, September 15th through 17th in Scottsdale, Arizona, USA. So some people talking about cutting edge information about the afterlife and even getting in touch with your loved ones. So you can check out who we all are at afterlifestudies.org and then lastly uh, I know Dan's not on Facebook but I am and I know there's a lot of people that are interested in meeting like-minded people and having some new friends that we can talk to about this Uh, if you go to Facebook and you just type in we don't die listeners in the search box that'll take you to our private group so in closing I want to thank our guest Daniel Berdachevsky Uh, feel free like I said to listen to this episode on YouTube and uh, check out the comment section and add yourself a comment and Dan will respond but in closing, this my name is Sandra Champlain, and I'm so happy that I get to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I think you can hear it in my voice, how happy I am. Uh, this is great. But I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on Earth is important. So take some advice from Dan. Quiet your mind. Create your own relationship with uh, your God, however you want to think of the all being you know the almighty however you want to say that and ask some questions and keep a journal and be delighted at some of the answers that start coming through so i really want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon 